my faithful and loyal <coughs> readers, listeners, and viewers. This is going to be a restart of a very special thing that I used to do. That would be videos of my daily devotionals. So this is going to be in two segments. Segment one is going to be our verse of the day. And segment two is going to be our discussion on our text of <coughs> of our segment on our journey through the Bible in one year. So we're going to begin segment number one, which is our verse of the day segment. Today's verse comes from Proverbs 18, verse 21, which says, The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So, we have to remember the tongue is powerful. And so we see that illustrated in James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on in this segment. It also says those who love the tongue and eat its fruit are those who choose to live or die under its power. So like those who live by the sword... Those who live, those who, those who live by the sword, those who live by the law, or those who live by faith. So it's, it's much similar to that. Those who live by those things will either live by them or they will die by them. So prudent speech brings life, and wicked or excessive speech brings death. Keep that in mind as we move forward. And so now we're going to turn to the first statement. The tongue is powerful. And for that we are going to turn to James chapter 3. Starting in verse 1. And going through verse 12. So here's what that first section of it. Here's what it says. So it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. As you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. <coughs> we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder. <coughs> wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts, <coughs> it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire. It is itself set on fire by hell. So we're going to stop right there for 
just a minute. In verse 6. So we're going to talk a little bit about this passage. So one of the primary ways we demonstrate who we truly are is by our speech. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That comes from Matthew 12, 34. So in this broken world, sinful impulses remain in the Christians. So they remain in those of us who are followers of Christ. And if allowed to run unchecked, through the tongue, such sinful talk can cause immense personal and communal damage. So if allowed to collect, if we allow this stuff to go unchecked, it can cause a great deal of damage, both to us personally and to us and to those around us in our community. So through various poignant metaphors and impassioned appeals. James calls for Christians to let all their speech be consistent with their Christian profession of faith. So James begins this section by focusing on persons who speak publicly the most. So that would be teachers and ones like against hastiness in taking up the mantle of being a teacher since it is so easy to err in speech so that could be erring morally or it could be erring doctrinally and thus incur God's strict judgment James then broadens out his instruction on speech to all believers so he started off just talking about teachers, now he has moved to talking about everyone who professes faith in Jesus. <coughs> so he talks about just as a tiny metal bit turns a large horse, or a small rudder stirs a, sp- uh, stirs a ship, excuse me. <coughs> So one's tongue, though small, has huge effects. So so one tiny spark starts a huge forest fire. That's another one of the metaphors he uses, right? So he talks about, um, this is like with, so it says, consider, starting in verse 5, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So remember, one tiny spark starts a huge forest fire. So also the tongue, when broadcasting unchecked sinful incon- inclinations, ignites a destructive conflagration, or not a destructive fire in one's life and in one's relationships. Keep that in mind. (coughs) So the tongue is a world of evil and that all the various forms of wickedness that we encounter in this fallen world that would be things like lust, hate, jealousy, and so on and so forth. Find audible expression through the tongue. 
expression through the tongue. So now we come to this part where it says, um, the tongue is also a fire, one of evil, so we know that part, among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. So what is this term, hell, that James, the apostle, uses? <coughs> so hell is Gehenna in Greek. So it's a place of eternal suffering where the devil, demons, and rebellious humans will be thrown in judgment. So that's the king here, it's the place where the devil's gonna go, it's the place where the demons are gonna go, and it's the place where rebellious humans are gonna go in judgment. So to speak of speech as set on fire by hell implies that sinful words are worthy of God's eternal judgment. So if we as Christians were judged on the basis of our speech, alone, we would be eternally condemned. But thank God for the perfect life and perfect speech of Jesus, which makes us acceptable before God. And thank God for Jesus' death to atone for our sinful deeds and our sinful words. So now we're going to finish up this passage. We're going to pick up in verse 7. <coughs> We're going to go through verse 12, which says all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. <coughs> And with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear? Figs. Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So though the world is filled with various domesticated animals, right, there are no examples of completely tamed tongues. So even Christians that have been regenerated and indwelt by the Spirit must acknowledge how easy it is to stumble in speech and how much harm, keep their harm, our tongues can cause. James hones in on one particularly troubling sin of speech, and what is that particularly troubling same sin of speech, right? So it says in verse 10, out of, out of the same mouth come come praise and cursing, praise and cursing, so that would be slander or the hypocritical inconsistency of praising God while at the same time cursing a human being made in God's image. 
So James invokes various pictures from nature. So what are these various pictures of nature, right? So he talks about can both fresh says can both fresh water and salt water come from the flow from the same spring. So that's water springs. That's one of the pictures he makes. The next thing he says is my brother uh, starting in this is verse twelve now. So it says, my brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear figs, or a grapevine bear figs? So we saw grapevines, and we saw figs, right? And there's also olive trees that are mentioned at some point in time. So now we come to this last thing that says, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. So he has done, he invokes various pictures from nature for his appeal that we as Christians should live our, should live our lives consistently with our new status as God's reborn people. So there is the power of life and death in the tongue. We have to keep that in mind going forward. Your tongue has the power of life and death. Your words have the power of life and death. You can speak life into someone, or you can speak death into someone, and the choice is yours as to whether or not you do that. So now, what are today's Bible readings? So today we need to read First Samuel 8-9, through 9, John chapter 6, verses 22-42, Psalm 106, verses 32 through 48, and Proverbs 14, verses 34 through 35. So if you remember, our daily devotional is going to consist of two segments. So this was the end of segment number one, which was our verse of the day segment. Now it is time to move into segment number two. Which is our daily installment of our series through the Bible in one year. So we're now up to day 130. So if you want to get caught up on this or any of the rest of the things that you hear or see, you simply need to visit this website. If you're ready, write this down so you don't forget it. It's upstate. Christian.com with Upstate Christian being all one word. So today our focus is going to be on John 5, 5 verses 16 through 30. So yesterday we saw Jesus heal a man who had been born lame, who had been lame for his whole life, and who was waiting in hopeless desperation for someone to come and help him. Right, for someone to come and help him, and no one had been able to come and help him get into the pool, at the pool of Bethsaida, Bethsaida, so he could be healed. And at the end of yesterday's section, we saw the religious leaders of Jesus' day react to this miraculous event. 
where you'll see the religious leaders were upset that Jesus had healed this man on the Sabbath day, and it went even further. They were upset not just because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day, because he told this man to pick up his mat and go home on the Sabbath day. He didn't do that on the Sabbath day, and we talked about that yesterday. And today we're going to see this anger that they had at the end of yesterday's section turn into outright persecution of Jesus. Because he claimed something here that they knew what he was claiming, but they couldn't get it through their heads what he was claiming. So now we're going to pick up in uh, John chapter 5, verse 16, and we're going to go through verse 18 to start off with. Which says, So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I am, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Ooh. So, the religious, the Jewish leaders, began to persecute Jesus because they thought he broke the Sabbath. When in fact, though he violated the rules of a man, which would be the rules of the religious leaders, he had not violated God's law. That is important to understand in this passage. Jesus had not violated God's law. He had violated man's law. So Jesus defended himself by appealing to the fact that he was doing only what his father does on the Sabbath. Ooh, that's what got the Jewish leaders really, really upset. Right? <clears throat> what got them really, really upset was that Jesus claimed that God was his father. God is, in fact, Jesus' father. He's proved it over and over and over again. Everything that we have seen so far in the Gospel of John, everything that we saw so far in Matthew's Gospel, everything we saw so far in Mark's Gospel, and everything we saw so far in Luke's Gospel. So these religious leaders understood exactly what Jesus was saying. They understood that he was claiming equality with God, which was blasphemy in their eyes. So, in other words, they understood his point perfectly. They understood that he was saying he was equal with God. They understood that he was equal with God. And yet they sought to kill him anyway, because a mere man cannot be equal with God. You follow him so far? Good. So now we're going to pick up in verse 19 go through verse 23. So now he knows they're seeking to kill him. Here's the answer Jesus gave to their doubts, which says, <coughs> <coughs> Jesus gave them this answer, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself, he can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the Father 
loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you too will be uh, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, <coughs> even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one. But has entrusted all judgment to the Son. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus does not back down about his claims. But instead he made his claims more explicit. He openly acknowledges his dependence on the Father. He did what he saw his father doing. He did what he saw the father doing. So the father's love for the son was why he showed him all he did. And as the father gives life to the dead, the son can do the same thing because the father and the son are equal. Furthermore, the Father gave the Son authority to judge, so that the Son and the Father can receive the same honor. Following so far, good, 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 hopefully you are. If not, pay closer attention. So here's how we're gonna, here's how this section ends. It says, it ends if anyone does not honor the Son, they dishonor the Father. Why? Because the Father and the Son are equal, so if you dishonor the Father, you're dishonoring the Son. If you honor the Son, you're honoring the Father. Simple and easy to comprehend. But not so simple and easy to live out as we see so far here in John's Gospel. So again, Jesus' statements were claims to deity, which upset the apple cart, which made the religious leaders of his day upset. So now we're going to pick up in verse 24 and take it through verse 27, which says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent, believes him who sent me, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. So, Jesus attributed to himself activities previously ascribed, previously only been ascribed to God. He attributed to himself the giving of life, and he attributed to himself the final judgment. All of those things had previously only been attributed to God, and Jesus now attributed them to him. Self. So, Jesus has the authority to give spiritual life, and he has the authority to make judgments in the present. 
So those who hear his word and believe in him have eternal life as a present reality. It's a present reality, not some vague, what we hope we might have eternal life. No, 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 no. It's a present reality. It exists in the reality. And will not come into future judgment. So the Father has given the Son authority to give life and in and execute judgment because he, the Son, is the Son of Man. So remember, we already talked about who the Son of Man is. We're not going to go into detail on that. But just know that he was a figure that was prophesied by Daniel who would come and who did come in the person of Jesus. So now we're going to pick up. 28 and take it through verse 30 which says do not be amazed at this for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out those who have done what is good will rise to life and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned by myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So Jesus delineated the same two divine prerogatives as he laid out in verses 24 through 47. Uh, 24 through 27, which says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, and eternal life will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming, and it has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Except now they will be executed these same prerogatives that he had just, just read about, right? Are going to be now executed in the future at the general resurrection of the dead. So Jesus' opponents, that be these religious leaders, these people who are angry and upset that Jesus had claim to be God, even though they had seen evidence up to this point in time that he was, in fact, God. Because, let's think, who else but God could turn 175 gallons of water into wine? Who else but God could heal a boy from a distance? Right? Who else but God could do the other things that we see happening here. Understand that, right? Who else but God could heal a man who'd been laying all his life and make him walk again? It's as simple as that. Nobody else could, but God could do that. They knew this. They just chose to ignore the evidence that was presented to them. So, Jesus' opponents would have been shocked when he told them that he would call forth the dead, the final resurrection, because in their minds that was something only God could do, and not something a mere man could do. 
so well, verses 24 through 25, so that's the part that says, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, has eternal life, and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time was coming, and has now come, when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Right. So while those two verses refer to a spiritual resurrection from spiritual death in the present life, verses 28-30 which say, Do not be amazed at this, for a time was coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing, I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So those verses speak of a future bodily resurrection from the dead. So Jesus concluded his comments by again stating his dependence on his Father. So unfortunately, the religious leaders of Jesus' day understood fully what Jesus was saying. They understood that he was giving clear and convincing evidence that he had this authority given to him by the Father. But they chose to ignore all of the evidence that was presented to them about the truth of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. And why did they choose to ignore all this evidence? What reason did they have for choosing to ignore all of this evidence? The very simple reason is power. They had the power because they were the ones who got to make the rules. And here comes Jesus who says, it's not only okay to heal somebody on the seventh day, it's okay to tell that person to pick up their mat and go and walk home. And here's why it's okay for them to do that. Here's where I have this authority, because I'm not just a mere man, I'm God. Right? So that's why they were so upset, that's why they wanted to kill him. They didn't want to kill him because he blasphemed. All this evidence he just gave was enough for them to believe. Hmm, think. Hmm, maybe this man is God. Maybe he's telling the truth. But they couldn't see past it because if they believed he was telling the truth, it would have caused them to lose power. It would have caused them to lose prestige. All of which was no good for them. And we will pick up with that tomorrow when we see more evidence about Jesus' authority and about Jesus' claim to deity, which by the way is completely and absolutely true. I hope you have figured that part out for yourself. So we'll finish up there tomorrow when we finish up chapter 5. And so, to be able to do that, here's what you gotta read for tomorrow. You gotta read 1 Samuel chapters 10 and 11. You gotta read John chapter 6 verses 43 through 71. You gotta read Psalm 107, 1 through 43. And you gotta read Proverbs 
chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Again, if you want to see, if you want to read, and catch up with the rest of, or through the Bible in one year series, go to upstatechristian.com, and we will see you tomorrow.